Welcome to the IBIS World podcast. My name is Miranda Romano. I'm an editor here at IBIS World. And today in the studio, I am here with Dylan Miller, who is an analyst that specializes in tech. Hey, Dylan. Hey, how's it going, Miranda? Great to be here today. Here with us is also Rob Miles, an analyst who specializes in manufacturing. Rob, hi. How's it going, Miranda? Pretty good. Today we're talking about autonomous vehicles and the Hyperloop, new technical innovations that have been happening in your particular sectors. You want to talk about autonomous vehicles, Dylan, and Rob's going to talk to us about the Hyperloop. Both have been getting a lot of media attention recently, especially with Elon Musk's announcement that he had gotten verbal approval from the government to start building the tunnels for the Hyperloop and with the new technology that's coming out with autonomous vehicles, and we're getting closer and closer to seeing those out on the road. So Dylan, do you want to tell us a little bit about where we are with autonomous vehicles? Absolutely. It's definitely been an exciting time for autonomous vehicles. Really what autonomous vehicles are when boiled down is it's a vehicle that can navigate and sense its environment without any human input. It's important to distinguish between what we currently have of driver-assisted vehicles and fully autonomous vehicles, which is something kind of more towards the future. And that's based on a scale that's been implemented, ranging from zero for no driving automation whatsoever, to one with some driver assistance, two partial driving automation, three conditional driving automation, four high driving automation, which is really is what's meant by fully autonomous, where vehicles are designed to perform all safety critical driving functions, and level five, which is full driving automation, where a vehicle's performance is equal to that of a human driver, even more so safe. Right now we're on level three, we haven't surpassed that level, which is conditioned driving automation, where drivers are still necessary, but are able to shift to safety critical functions for the vehicle under certain traffic or environmental conditions. So recently there's been quite a few tests conducted with these level three vehicles. And it's important for these vehicles to be tested for the cars to really map out the roads within at least the United States so that they could be programmed into the database and the autonomous vehicles will then be able to navigate these types of terrains. That's really cool, Dylan. Rob, you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on with the Hyperloop? So right now the Hyperloop, as it's currently conceived, is a fairly ambitious project. In theory, it's basically a rail-based transit system contained within a vacuum that allows it to travel at very rapid speeds. Right now, verbal government approval should be placed in scare quotes, I would say. It's more of a basic understanding that they may have potential. It's very early in the stages for actual production of any of these systems. With Elon Musk's tweet about verbal government approval, it's really just a statement that they're in talks for potential changes moving forward. Right now, Elon Musk's companies aren't actually within the Hyperloop industry in terms of production. Right now, we see Hyperloop One, Hyperloop Transportations Technology, and a new company called Arivo. All these companies right now are primarily in the development and testing phases. But we have seen successful tests within vacuum tubes that have allowed for high-speed travel. So now that we know a little bit more about these new technologies, I want to talk about what disruptions might occur in current U.S. industries. Dylan, what kind of things are going to happen to U.S. industries once automated vehicles start going out on the road? Absolutely. So we could definitely see autonomous vehicles as being a very disruptive force. So currently an industry that could be negatively impacted by autonomous vehicles is transportation and freighting. What we're seeing right now is the freight industry is performing quite well, 
They're really the lifeblood of the United States, helping to transport goods and services and all types of things throughout the United States. Currently, the employment for this industry is expected to rise. However, in the future, with the impact of autonomous vehicles, there could be a change in that. This could be due to the fact that industry operators are going to be cutting down on the number of employees, as we could see the vehicles actually outperforming in terms of safety, in terms of all sorts of measures, you know, performing better than humans would. So it's really, it could be a, a mixed bag for employment within that industry. It's currently expected to grow at an annualized rate of 1.7% over the five years to 2022. However, this could really change given the impact that the technology may have. Now, another industry that could be affected prominently by autonomous vehicles are traditional car manufacturers, such as Ford, GM, multiple other incumbent players. Now, overall revenue for this type of industry can go up, but this is only if incumbent players were to adopt the technology. If incumbent players get a little bit too confident in their designs and don't feel the need to really adopt the technology, it could really have a negative impact. It could also really have a big impact on the composition of the industry. You could see maybe more specialized players taking up a larger market share because perhaps they, you know, got on the technology, the autonomous vehicles in a more efficient manner than the larger players. So we're seeing that these autonomous vehicles could really disrupt the landscape for a lot of industries in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. We could definitely see a lot of change going on. You know, these are certainly disruptive forces, so we'll just have to see how they play out. Rob, are you seeing the same kind of trend for the Hyperloop? Yes, the potential for Hyperloop technologies is definitely a disruptor in many industries. However, as the Hyperloop is currently conceived, it doesn't neatly fit into standard industry classifications. Our primary mode of researching the Hyperloop at this point is still Elon Musk's original 2013 white paper, which is more or less a thought experiment on the Hyperloop. The primary players manufacturing and designing Hyperloops right now are all privately held, so information on these projects is not publicly provided. The Hyperloop right now is primarily conceived of as more or less a rail car. It sits on an electrified rail. It operates through a tube. So as we would conceive it at this moment, it would fit within the rail car and transit car manufacturing industry. So it would act as a disruptor primarily in the long term as a negative for current operators in the industry. It's a moderately concentrated industry with some larger players, primarily companies like GE. However, the traditional rail car manufacturers, which focus on freight and intermodal carts, are likely to be hurt in the long run by Hyperloop technologies. So when we look at Hyperloop technology, it definitely has the potential to be additive to several industries. So despite being a disruptor, in the long run, as it progresses as a technology and it becomes more viable, you do have the potential to increase efficiencies in a lot of areas. So if you look at rail transportation in the U.S., it's a $68.3 billion industry. And in terms of product and services, 55.9% is bulk freight and 39.8% is intermodal freight. So when you look at intermodal freight, this is an in-between phase when you're shipping cargo, and that's a primary point of entry for Hyperloop technologies. If you look at the potential for high-speed transportation in terms of increasing supply chain efficiency, the Hyperloop can increase the speed at which you can travel between coastal ports and internal freight shipping hubs. 
So there are some clear disruptions that could happen because of these new technologies. Are there any potential benefits? Yeah, absolutely. On the technology side, I mean, these cars are kind of chock full of different electronic ingredients. For example, the communications equipment in these types of vehicles is going to be of the utmost importance. There are various things such as vehicle-to-vehicle communications, which is where the autonomous vehicles communicate and share data with each other, and the vehicle-to-everything concept, which is where the vehicles kind of transmit data between infrastructure, other vehicles, various other devices. And that's really the most important part of these autonomous vehicles, is that they have the ability to communicate and foresee various circumstances enhancing their safety. And that's definitely going to be benefiting the communications equipment manufacturing industry, in addition to the semiconductor and circuit manufacturing industries. So for the semiconductor and circuit manufacturing and communication equipment manufacturing, where do we see these industries going? Well, there's certainly a lot of revenue and potential within these industries. Currently, the semiconductor industry is projected to grow at an annualized rate of 1.2% over the five years to 2017. But due to the fact that these are really kind of the brains of the autonomous vehicles, there's a lot to be had. Uh, Currently, the projections for growth are 0.9% over the five years of 2022. But depending on if some certain manufacturers are able to really specialize and kind of develop a niche market within the industry, it could really add a lot of value within the industry. Additionally, for communications equipment manufacturing, which, as we mentioned before, are kind of in charge of the vehicle-to-vehicle communications, the vehicle-to-infrastructure communications. That industry is projected to actually decline at an annualized rate of 4.8% over the five years to 2017. However, due to all of the application within this type of automated segment, there's some high potential. Currently, the industry is projected to grow at an annualized rate of 1.7% over the five years to 2022. This could even grow more given the impact that autonomous vehicles can have on the industry. On the Hyperloop side of things, what kind of impacts are we going to be seeing, Rob? When we look at the Hyperloop, obviously there's the subways and the rail systems and all of this transportation technology that's going to be benefit in the long term. So the expansion of people moving, cargo moving is going to have a positive effect on these industries. However, you look at ancillary industries, I think infrastructure is one of the main things you have to look at. So if you look at excavation contractors, which is a $53.3 billion industry in the U.S., this includes companies that dig tunnels, and they put in place infrastructure for rail systems, and if the Hyperloop were to come into fruition, the Hyperloop would be need an excavation contractor. And right now, when you look at Elon Musk's association with the Hyperloop. His company doesn't technically make any of the Hyperloop systems that are primarily progressing their technology, but he does have a company called The Boring Company, which, as it's aptly named, it bores tunnels. They're pushing forward with technology that sort of progresses the efficiency of the boring system, and it's something where if this technology moves forward enough, you would see the potential for large-scale increases in the production of tunneling systems, and that's a major input for Hyperloop systems moving forward. So the opportunity for excavation contractors is really the potential for increased demand for tunneling activities. So this presents the opportunity for expansion of excavation contracting as these Hyperloop technology advances. There's more need for tunneling activity, which creates 
an opportunity for the boring company and possible other companies to enter into the industry as outsiders. These companies have the potential to really disrupt that whole industry as it currently stands. Right now, a lot of the news that you're hearing about the Hyperloop is with Elon Musk's verbal government approval. And right now, the primary action he's been taking with the Boring Company is digging a tunnel in the SpaceX industrial park out in California. And if you look at August 23rd, there was actually approval from the Hawthorne, California legislature to allow for them to dig a tunnel in public territory. So this is going to be their first entrance into actual tunneling activity outside of their research facilities. And this is going to be 44 feet underground. It's going to travel underneath public infrastructure, and it has the potential to be two miles long. So we have seen some tangible progress with the Hyperloop, but how far away are we from zipping through the tunnels underground? Yes, so despite the quickening activity for Hyperloop technology, we are seeing the potential for a lot of legal and regulatory impediments moving forward. So obviously the Hyperloop as a rapid transit system has the potential for high-speed accidents, which can have large-scale ramifications. So there's the obvious legal impediment of who insures these companies, what type of safety regulations are required, And this is really something that's going to act to slow down progress in this industry. Other than that, the technology is definitely progressing fast enough that you do see the potential for Hyperloop systems to come to fruition in the next five years or so. But there's also the need for government funding to dig the tunnels and to invest in the actual projects themselves. And that's something where it's difficult to get that traction in the U.S. right now. To have the government invest in new technologies is something that typically takes a lot of legislative activity and it's something that a lot of Hyperloop companies are actually looking abroad in order to fund and initiate initial projects. In the U.S. right now, there's the obvious slowdown in terms of legislative activity and it's something that could impede progress within the Hyperloop systems. Dylan, are we seeing other legal restrictions on driverless cars? Absolutely. I mean, besides the fact that it would be a huge jump in what people have been used to, there have definitely been regulatory impediments as well in the autonomous vehicle industry. Currently in New York State, actually, autonomous vehicles would be classified as illegal due to a law in New York State that requires drivers to have one hand on the wheel at all times. Furthermore, there would definitely be the issue of government revenue. Assuming that these vehicles, being all technologically advanced, would be very energy efficient and perhaps not even rely on gas and other outdated fuels. That would pose a definite problem for states which derive revenue from taxation of gas. In Massachusetts, for example, there has been legislation proposed that would, instead of taxing gasoline, would tax driverless cars based on the amount of miles driven. And that would actually be based upon data collected by black boxes, which would transmit data to the operators and the owners of the vehicles. Now, this would actually be a way that Massachusetts and other states that may follow suit can make up for lost revenue from vehicles that are not as gas dependent. Additionally, that could lead to a lot of changes within the oil and gas industries. So the shift that's going to be underway with autonomous vehicles is to vehicles that consume less gasoline, and that poses a major problem for incumbent gas companies. They're going to be losing out on a major source of revenue, and 
for them, it'll be either adapt or die, and we'll see how they can perform over the coming five years as autonomous vehicles become more of a mainstream vehicle. As we've seen with both the Hyperloop and with driverless cars, it's kind of a mixed bag for everyone involved. So players in these industries have a lot to lose and a lot to gain from both the Hyperloop and the driverless cars, and we'll be sure to keep you updated on what happens in the future. I want to thank you guys for being with me today and for your insights. Thanks for having us, Miranda. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time on the Ibis World Podcast.